listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 393. My name's Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the classic military sci-fi series, Stargate SG-1. So, a little bit of sanctuary chatter in the Facebook group. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts on that one? I, You know, I I really like uh, Sanctuary. You, um, I, I watched that. I had gotten... Um, uh, sinus surgery and I was out of work for like a week and a half and basically just stayed in a uh, in a lounge chair in front of my TV for almost that entire time most of it in significant amount of pain but uh, Sanctuary helped get me through that yeah. but then that was it yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those shows, obviously, it stars Amanda Tapping as well as a boatload of other recognizable sci-fi actors, the Canadian mafia, if you will. Um, you know, they're short seasons. So, yeah, we'll talk about it and, and uh, you know, maybe see where we go with that. But, yeah, I was glad to see some sanctuary love in the Facebook group, which yeah. was cool. Yeah. I mean, like I said in Facebook, that's it's kind of like. It always seems like we're that that's in the mix, that's in the discussion. At least it was for a while. Yeah. I guess not recently. You know, it was always the kind of thing, yeah, we could do this, we could do sanctuary, you know, and then we're like, oh, let's do it. you know, we always kinda of, it was always like the runner up, you know. But and, it might be time to uh to, to dive into sanctuary. Yeah, I, I mean for, for me, certainly it's been long enough that a lot of the plot details are, are fuzzy. I mean certainly I have no idea what happened there. <laughs> there you go. You were probably <laughs> I remember I liked it a lot, but I can't I I can't I remember some of the actors too. Yeah. Um but uh yeah. All right. Well, anyway, if you guys want to contact us with some suggestions, episode feedback, questions, whatever, the email is sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. If you want to record an audio feedback the way Fred does, just send it as an attachment. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. All right. My what we're watching this week. I finally got around to watching the Doctor Who New Year's Day episode, Revolution of the Daleks. And my first impression is that I don't understand, maybe hate is too strong a word, but the lukewarm reaction that I seem to see out on the internet. I, I know I asked for you for your opinion, and now I don't remember what you said, to be honest. <laughs> I, I liked it. You know, I thought it was a, a solid, was it a great episode? I don't know. If I would call it a great one, but it was definitely a very good Doctor Who episode, I thought. Um, had I thought it had all the elements of a Doctor Who episode that I like. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I maybe even liked it a little more than you did. Uh, certainly the, the return of John Barrowman as Captain Jack Harkness. Yeah, was right, right. Of course, that was awesome. cool. Yes. But yeah. I also really enjoyed the evolving personal dynamics within the fam. And, you know, I don't want to go, go into any detail because I'm sure a lot of people still haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. So, uh, you know, but again, I really liked it. But, and uh, I know you're going to laugh at me, the other show that we just watched is on Netflix, and that is Bridgerton, the British period drama that dropped on Christmas Day. Are, are you familiar with it? Uh, in so much as... That's uh, I think that's what my wife has lined up for us to watch next okay. if we ever finish Umbrella Academy. Okay, well I, I've seen it referred to, and I think this is an accurate description as Gossip Girl meets Jane Austen meets Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, I like one of those three things. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and it, it's not the one you think. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, I, I love Jane Austen. Okay. Um, Not a big fan of the other stuff. Well, Fifty Shades of Grey, I had to see that because... Because um, Don Johnson's Ra daughter is in no, it? No, Rachel Scarston's in it. Oh, she's, okay. She's Christian Grey's secretary, at least in the first I didn't movie. Even know, I, I haven't read the books. I haven't seen the movies. I have no clue about any of that stuff. I've paged through for the good parts, but other All than right. that, I haven't. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it was enjoyable. I mean, my wife and I both love period dramas, and... There, there's a certain feel to it that it, you know it's not really heavy like real Jane Austen or 
you know, whoever from, from that time period. But it was enjoyable, only eight episodes. And uh, the one male lead, and, and now I forget his name, but uh, I probably should have written it down. I mean, he's just awesome, as is the female lead. Oh, Actually, that was that, um, reggae yeah. something something. And oh, yeah. I, I said to my wife after, you know, about the first episode, like, oh, my God, there's your next James Bond. And apparently there is talk that he might be considered. I mean, look, there's been talk just like with Doctor Who, that, well, you know, it's time to have a, a female doctor. It's time to have a doctor who's a person of color. And, and, of course, as we've said all along, absolutely. No reason not to. And, and, you know, we talked about Idris Elba, you know, as his name being bantered about constantly, for both roles. Constantly what, badgered about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I know at one point I was even mentioning Roger Cross, but – you got to be English to play you got, yeah, yeah, either it's... Doctor Who or James Bond. And even though he's probably got British citizenship because he's born in Jamaica, I think it was, dude's Canadian. So, Roger, I love you, dude, but no. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, um, we enjoyed it. What are you watching? Um, well, I finished uh, – well, after – you know, I talked about how I was watching – uh, Star Wars Clone Wars. And so once I finished that, I immediately dove into Star Wars Rebels, which is the other big animated series that they did in the Star Wars universe. And, um, you know, again, like, the, it's funny because my sons, who are the ones who grew up on this stuff, were kind of lukewarm about Rebels and, and hadn't actually hadn't even watched all of it, which I couldn't believe because I actually think I enjoyed it more than I did Clone Wars. I, I was trying to figure out why because it has a lot of the same elements. There's two things. One, I think Rebels is funnier, has a lot more comedy in it. And two, the reason it, it's able to be lighter and funnier is because it doesn't – we're not witnessing the advent of the – you know, a hero turning into a Dark Lord of the Sith, which is just anytime you're watching Anakin Skywalker, you, all you can think of is this guy's going to become Darth Vader, you know, and, and it kind of it kind of clouds over everything. You can't enjoy the character just for himself, right? You, and you can't enjoy his character development because you know where his character development is going. So I think that, so then that's not like a, a knock against Clone Wars at all. I'm just saying Clone Wars always had that kind of pall over it because it ultimately we know how this is going to end, right? Whereas Rebels is the opposite. We we know the ending of that as well, but the ending's good. Uh, it's it's going to end up in the destruction of the the Empire, the the ascent of Luke Skywalker. So it was I don't know, it was just it was great. I I love the animated Star Wars stuff now. I, you know, like I said a year ago, I really didn't know much about it, but now I'm I'm totally into it. I think Dave Filoni has really opened up the Star Wars universe. And, you know, honestly, this is maybe what Star Wars had meant to be the entire time, right? You know, working in, in this, you know, with multiple characters in, in within the same universe, but different characters, different timelines, everything, and following these different stories and everything. I, I just think that that really opens up more. And us, you can have like a bad 20-minute, animated episode and bounce back with the next one. Whereas if you mess up a feature length film that like stains forever as, as many people uh, would are quick to point out about some of the, the feature length films that have been put out. So I don't know. It was just, I, I, this is, I can't believe it's taken me this long to get into these things, but it just really has been uh, great and opening up a lot of the star Wars universe to me. And uh, so I would highly recommend it. But you need to watch Deadpool first. Okay. Uh, well, listen, I'm I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I wish I shared your enthusiasm for Star Wars, but you know, whatever. Uh, let's do some Stargate SG One Core I episode 15 of season one, written by Tom J. Astel, directed again by Mario Azopardi. This one aired January 23rd, 1998, which, as it turns out, was almost three months 
after episode 14. So obviously they took a, an extended break in there. And again, I didn't go back and try to research it. Was it one of those deals where uh, they got additional episodes that they didn't know they were going to get and which often happens with, with very popular shows. So anyway, you know, one of the first things that, that you and I talk about when we sign on to record each Monday night is, is that I make sure that you got the audio feedback from Fred. And, and, you know, of course, you always say, yeah, yeah, I got it. And the first thing you said, and we both agreed, it's like, we're surprised that Fred didn't like this episode. And yeah. I think it might be the best of the season. I mean, for me, it certainly got the best acting of the season to yes. this point. And yeah. I, I primarily hone in on that that scene, that emotional confrontation that Jack has with General Hammond. I mean, S- Samantha is is there, but, you know, she's still at the point where she's willing to challenge General Hammond, but not get in his face. And that's what we see with him and Jack. And it's like, wow. Right. right. And it seems like he's had it with Jack getting in his face. And. You know? Well, you know, it's funny because I I think there's a lot of subtext in General Hammond's brief appearances in this episode. I mean, he certainly mentions that there's a new administration that is taking a different approach to not only the Stargate program, but also Teal and how he functions in it. And you really get the sense that he and he even says you know, I think you're right. I agree, but I'm following orders. And, and of course, that whole idea of following orders, we'll, we'll talk at some length about as we do the discussion. But I, I just feel like there's, there's something else going on with General Hammond that maybe we're going to find out. Maybe we won't, but uh, I definitely liked it. Uh, the other thing is that line that Jack says to Daniel, and, and it's, you know, apropos almost every week. It's that near as I can figure that's got me concerned, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like because he always asks for, for Jackson's assessment. Well, near as I can figure, <laughs> right. but it was just perfect. Yeah, yeah. The whole concept of chain of command undermining the idea of free will, which is what O'Neill says to Teal'c, essentially is the Nuremberg defense and I mean, for me, this was one of the the major thrusts of this episode. I mean, how do we see that? That that Jack's view that you were just following orders. It's not your fault. Right. Well, that that you're right. By bringing up Nuremberg, especially that defense falls on Kai with on that that doesn't land well. Right. But when you find out the extenuating circumstances, well, now we get it. When with Apophis threatening to kill everybody unless he, unless you know, Teal kills somebody, well, then now we get it. You know, he made the choice to kill one person to save the lives of all the, you know, all the others. But just saying you were following orders, so therefore you are not culpable. Well, I think even me sitting there watching, I'm like, well, no, that that doesn't work out i agree with teal that that what we do has consequences and that you know he's prepared to to pay for what he's done even though he's a better person now he understands that he did things in the past that were terrible you know well and and when you look at that statement i'll go ahead and read it again the whole concept of chain of command undermines the idea of free will And, and you look at that word undermines Jack doesn't say it negates free will, that it undermines it. And and there is truth to that. Is Jack just not a deep enough thinker? Or should I be content with his use of the word undermines? I mean, I I think that I I love that line, first of all. I think that's a great line and really does sum up what Jack is feeling here. But but again, it, it... it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't negate free will. And again, go to the Nazis, those guys who were, you know, shooting people, shooting civilians, herding them into crematoria and gas chambers. Yes, 
someone above them told them to do that. But again, you know, it's still, and that, there's the, that moral ambiguity there, but it doesn't take away the fact that you did it. And saying you were following orders only goes so far. Right. And, and Hammond even brings up the, the idea that this is a morally ambiguous situation that they find themselves embroiled in at this point as well. And, you know, that kind of leads in then to that idea that, comes up at the end through uh gosh i can't remember what the heck is that guy's name the uh oh hanno hanno uh do you know what is the actor's name david mcnally i guess this was david mcnally but not the, as a after Oriole. after he's pitched with for the orioles yeah um but he says <laughs> he seemed a little young to be the david he McNally. did he did but that that <laughs> idea that present good deeds negate evil done in the past which is clearly an idea we've talked about innumerable times. In other words, can a character be redeemed? And yeah. I think we'd agree, of course, a character can be redeemed, which sure. is what's so interesting about this culture is that their whole judicial system is topsy-turvy from what we're used to it. As Jack says, uh, innocent until proven guilty ever hear of it and they're like, like huh actually no <laughs> yeah and, and and of course daniel well most culture J- daniel shut up <laughs> yeah well i mean you see how the the people are dressed like medieval peasants right so i was actually thinking we were going to see some kind of trial by ordeal going on here or something but um but but yeah you know i mean their their way of life does seem to be rather medieval yeah, yeah and and you know it, again it, as if these thematic ideas aren't enough to really drive this episode in in just a really great way. That whole idea of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few of the one, which of course is Spock in the wrath of Khan. And it's funny because, you know, I I mean, of course that's such a familiar idea for sci-fi fans and I was thinking, all right, where does Spock say that? Because I thought maybe he said it in the original series. And, of course, it's way after that. It was in Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. And then I stumbled across an article that's basically talking about whether or not that's actually true. And then it brings up a couple examples from a later Star Trek movie where Kirk jeopardizes the crew to save Spock. And, right. you know, and, and I just thought, okay, now that's a little, <laughs> that's deeper than we want to go in this episode. Yeah. But, but it's certainly the idea that Teal'c uses when he exhibits free will and kills Hanno's father to save everybody else. And I mean, w- when you look at the fact that we've got this episode that's got these three heavyweight ideas and we don't feel overburdened by them because they all connect really seamlessly. It's just a great yeah. episode. Right. I, I, I really like this episode a lot. Um, maybe you said the best, I, I would put slightly a uh, children of the gods, I think still was the best okay. one so far, but, uh, but certainly I, I would put this one in a, a close second. And of course that's my opinion, yours and Fred, and we, we're all, this is the free world for the most part. And, you know, we can all have our own opinions, but, um, you know, with that, that the, I love that they had that moral ambiguity of Teal'c and Teal'c having to come to grips with what he did before as, you know, one of Apophis's henchmen. I, I get that they needed to make him more morally credible by giving him a choice that clearly he made as as far as a difficult choice. He made the best choice that he could make in that, in that he killed one person so that many could live. But if they if, if that wasn't if they didn't put that in there, if, if that wasn't a thing, if Apophis never said kill somebody or I'll kill them all, and he and Teal still killed Hannah's father, I think that would could make for a little bit more depth uh for our guy Teal here because you know, here's a guy who who just he 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 was a soldier and he killed, and that was kind of like what Jack was saying, right? And, he, and then the fact that he was morally correct 
with the choice that he made kind of takes away from this morally gray area uh, that Jack brought up of, of a soldier following orders being, you know, not being culpable for the, the actions that he, he, he takes. Yeah. And, and as Jack tells General Hammond, you think about how many things that I've done in the course of my duties and, and some of them are very distasteful and, and, you know, Jack certainly gets it. And, and, and the other thing about this episode, it, it, especially as Jack and general Hammond are going at it, you watch Carter in the background and, you know, as capable as she is in so many areas, we don't really know how much, military field experience she really has you get the impression she's nowhere near as experienced as jack o'neill and and of course that makes sense i mean he was retired when she joined sg1 so it's almost as if she doesn't really have that background that jack has to, to i mean she can understand it intellectually but unless you've been there it's probably difficult to to get the enthusiasm that that jack has and then teal you know that line when jack says to him it's as if you want to die and again you, you know why would teal want to die i mean is he still smarting over the confrontation he has with his wife and his son does he somehow feel guilt that just doesn't seem to make sense you know well but i we know that that Teal is a super honorable guy, right? Paying for his his transgressions—that's totally. It's not that he wants to die, but he also is not going to run from his past and, and and lie and pretend that he's not guilty when he is. Right. And, you know. And, and and Hammond even says you had to know that something like this was going to happen sooner or right. later. Yeah. And, you know, of course, it's sooner. But then that begs the question, well, Hammond, if you knew that, didn't you have a plan? I mean, don't you see what an important piece Teal'c has become to your program? Which then leads me back to that subtext I mentioned earlier that what's going on with this new administration, whoever they are, and and their attitude towards Teal'c? Well, he's not even human. He's not even of Earth. And Jack and Carter are looking at him like, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, okay, Racist. fine. Well, you know, I mean, certainly apropos on a number of levels to what's going yeah. on, you know, these days. But um, yeah, well, like, and yeah, that, obviously we all have an issue with that line because it's like, dude, he's, he's on your freaking team. Like, how can you say that about Teal'c? How can you justify, all right, maybe there's other reasons why you have not going after him, but how can you say that? How can that be your reason? That because of where he was born or who he is is the reason why he's not worthy of being saved. Like, that was bad. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, the, the other thing I like about this episode, the way it's set up, it, it's almost like divided in halves. We, we've got the accusation and the realization about what's going to happen with Teal'c in the first half, and then suddenly the defense starts falling into place, and and one by one, Jack and Daniel and, and Carter you know, present their... Uh, defense of Teal'c's actions and you see the reactions of the people but then we come back to that idea and is this supposed to be a comment on our judicial system which is obviously far from perfect but uh, you know I don't want to say it's the best there is that that's not true but but the idea that the only one that can make the decision is the victim and you're thinking, well, then we're back to guilty before, you know. Yeah, right. Well, and, and you know, and Hanno is not even hearing them, right? He's, he's, he refuses to open his mind to this idea that, you know, well, even because even after they say, you know, he killed your dad, 
so that everyone else could live. And in addition, he probably helped you out. Like, because you say running and hiding is how you get away from the gold. So wouldn't your dad hold you back a little bit? Like, you know, not that that's a justification for killing him, but I'm saying like, you know, but, but how do like, he, he doesn't, he, he won't listen to, to any of that. Right. He, he just, he, he's too, he, the, the vengeance that he seeks, it just blinds him. And he, which he obviously admits at the end of the episode. Right. Yeah. And, and what's so beautiful about the way all of that unfolds is that, as you said, we know that about Hannah. We see it. We hear it from him. But as and I think it's Jackson, but it could have been Carter it is talking to the gallery that when he killed Hanno's father, he saved you and he saved you and he's and he, pointing around the room and, and you see the people. They recognize the fact that, well, that's true. You know, Fred mentions in his feedback, you know, wondering why they live so close to the gate. And right. Well, well, that's like the first thing I thought, like, because they get there and the fires are still going. The food's out. So clearly the minute someone came through the gate, everyone ran away. If that's your strategy, why don't you build your shit away from the gate? You know? Well, that's true. I, I mean, I guess I thought that if you're near the gate, you know when the gate's active. And, and I guess once you see it start to spin up, you've got enough time to go and hide in the tunnels. But, but you know, as you said, uh, why How not about just you build take it? a kid with a telescope, which probably was around in the Middle Ages, who sits in the distance and watches the gate. Exactly. As the rest of the village is far away from, from the gate. I mean, it's just crazy. It's like, right. hey – you see that pile of nuclear waste? Let's build a town around that. Why don't you think? Let's like, uh, you know, it's like the most dangerous thing on their planet. And they put their centers of law and commerce, plop it right down next to it. It's just that, I, that's like one of the first things I thought when they yeah. got to that world. Yeah. You know, Daniel, look, Daniel does a lot of great things in this episode, but once again, a little bit too naive thinking, well, this is just going to be a simple trial. Uh, yeah, and and of course, we're thinking like, no, it's not going to be a simple trial. And you wonder when he's going to, I don't know, ha- get a more developed spidey sense about some <laughs> of these things. And I don't know. I mean, in a way, that's the charm about Daniel Jackson. But you know, on the other hand, it's it's kind of maddening in a lot of ways with him. Uh, for sure. I mean, you, you know, we talked about, I, I guess we don't have to keep going about you know, who, who's responsible for, you know, these deaths. I mean, certainly Apophis is responsible. And it was cool seeing Apophis and the way they did it in, in this flashback mm-hmm. uh, sequence. So that was pretty cool. That that was enough Apophis for me. I mean, yeah. he's, a, he's a great character, but... Well, right. And, and the, the, uh, the other dude, isn't that like the dude that they... Didn't they capture him on the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shackle, I think his name is. Right. Right. He was uh, Teal's top student or something like that. And, and, you know, we we had that scene or, you know, teacher meets student before. And, uh, you know, this time the uh, teacher laid down the law. So that that, that was certainly good. But the recognition that, oh, when the gate starts firing up everybody runs and then i don't remember whether it was carter or jackson that so only the quickest get away and you see the wheels start to turn and the defense starts to fall into place and and of course that's what teal uses as his defense and and you wonder you know as we're watching that scene does he really make that connection that, okay, this guy has one leg. We've been here before. He's not going to get away. I'll kill him and everybody else will be saved. Okay. Maybe he does. Certainly maybe he does. But the other thing is, did you think that Hanno's father was maybe telling Teal to take me to save the others? I mean, he had that hand motion, which. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. There was definitely, uh, yeah. There was definitely a, a, a weird thing going on there with with Hanno's dad. 
that yeah, maybe he was like, listen, if if someone's got to someone's got to take a bullet, you know, why don't you make it me? Yeah, yeah. So that you know, the trial is underway. Again, how apropos, Samantha says the truth is our defense. Yeah, I wish that was true in twenty twenty one here, but apparently not. Um, <laughs> but you she, know, it, she, she, she just she put those rose colored glasses on, and so yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> um, but but to watch each of the members speak before the crowd was, I think, a again another strength of this episode and daniel so impassioned and persuasive that the teal saved all their lives and then immediately shot down well his fate's not decided by us only hanno can make that decision and that's when you know, really? whole, why am i talking to the rest of you then uh, well <laughs> yeah you know again though not not to bring politics because this isn't really politics this is more news i mean you know we've just started an impeachment trial today or the you know the first stage of it and and i think most of us that are paying attention don't hold out much hope that it's going to lead to a conviction so why do it because you get everything out there and then people can make up their own minds and and i guess that that's what i see here it's like okay fine hanno's got his mind made up well maybe somebody in the audience will will say something to try to dissuade hanno now i i guess what i see as the one weak part of this episode and and weak is such a relative term but apophis shows up just when we need him to as a narrative device to you know uh, enable teal to help save everybody you know you know what i mean it, it's yeah a little right too. right right because they're they're it teal's going to be killed right i mean there, there's no going back there's no saving him the appealing to the you know to the people uh didn't work out even a little bit <clears throat> because that's you know, not their law uh hanno was not moved because he's just too you know blinded by his need for vengeance so we need a nice little Dusex Machina to drop in there so that Teal can prove his worthiness and Hanno will change his mind. And sure enough. Yeah. So, you know, fine. Everything else is so good. And, and we're under no illusions. Uh, this is a military science fiction story. And, you know, we need a little action. So... That was fun. You know, I, I I almost was, and like you said, maybe I I wasn't like super disappointed by it, but maybe a little bit because like it's almost like I wanted Jack to have to make that choice. Like, do we go in guns blazing? Do we basically betray what our you know our 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 central focus, our central mission is here to save the one person, right? Yeah, and because Jack wants to go in there with let's let's go in there, let's show him our our military might, and take Teal back, you know, like by be, be basically bullying them into it using force, and he doesn't have to do well. He, I mean, they do use force ultimately, but against the the actual bad guys, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and again, like if, for me, looking for like that, you know, more obscure, more ab, you know, ambiguous kind of morality there I, I was really kind of like seeing if jack was willing to go there to do that to to save his guy yeah and i get the feeling he probably was but he, when you look at the weapons that hanno's people had those little handheld crossbows they're nothing to be trifled with and, and clearly they've got the numbers so even though sg1 has automatic weapons i i, I don't know that it would be a good result for anybody so no. we're we're at a situation i don't know what you know in, in retrospect could jack have come back with some sort of knockout gas and just you know knocked out the whole picked up teal as he said he would and uh, carry him out i don't know but it, it, it goes back to that thing that general hammond says that that continues to bother me maybe because it's true when he calls Teal'c a war criminal. Well, and, and, and that definitely, again, I mean, there's, 
the, the, the shades of World War II and the Holocaust are all over this episode. You yes. Know, you just can't, you can't escape from it. And, and, and that is, I'm not saying these questions have never been raised before, but, but certainly when we saw the full scale of what just following orders results in, you know, we're, we, I, I think today we are way less apt to be able to, to, you know, use that as an excuse for any kind of action at all. Well, 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 Hammond even shouts it at Jack to shut up that he's only following orders, which, again, just like as you said that, okay, fine, General Hammond, you're only following orders. Your heart clearly is not into it. There's something you're not really telling everybody, which is fine. That's your prerogative. You're the general. These are your soldiers. But still, like you said, that in 1998, I was just following orders, doesn't cut it. No, so. no, not even a little bit. And that's why I, I admire Teal'c here. I admire him. He, he is unwilling to use loopholes or legal trickery or anything like that, that he you know, publicly and blatantly admits his guilt. You right. Know, right right away and, and that's the 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 definitely the heroic part about him that he is not going to shy away from his past he's not going to run for it. he's not going to try he's not going to be you know one of those little weasels who gets, escapes to argentina is able to live out his life as an old man and, and never face justice for what he did you know he's perfectly willing to get up there and and face the the consequences of his actions yeah, and that's I think the heroic nature of not only Teal but but certainly the other characters uh, of SG One, each in his or her own way. So, sure. And well, and, and the, the way they they you know, step up for each other when one of them's in trouble. Like this was a team effort, right? Like Jack says, "Well, I'll do it." And they're like, "No, we'll all do it." You know, and I love that. I'm like that. That that is so what this show is all about. Is that this team is always going to have each other's backs every single time right and the fact that they do have to grapple with this moral ambiguity yet you look at teal's total body of work and you know for them it's an easy decision but i guess the one good thing that comes out of apophis showing up here is that it gives us that scene where hanno's son slips teal the knife right which enables him to free himself and then kill Shackle with that knife. And then of course, help bring, you know, down Apophis and, and, you know, the raid in and of itself. And the fact that Hanno doesn't ever learn that it was his son that really made that bold move that you could argue was critical in saving everybody at this point. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, kids, right? I mean, you, you you got one job, kid, right? Like, make sure if I die, make sure that that this guy is uh, is found guilty and the sentence is carried out. And no, no sooner does his dad leave the room than you know the kid's already cracking a beer from the fridge and you know. Well, yeah, handing, but it, handing the it, knife but, over to uh, to to Teal. Yeah, but see, I guess I would argue that it goes back to the idea of free will that the kid was listening and, and the I, kid heard the arguments. Absolutely, I was I was just goofing. Uh, I know, and, and, like, and like yeah, it's just totally the the kid is wiser than the father, right? The right. kid has has heard, has understood uh, what Teal'c has been able to, because he's not blinded by the fury for vengeance, right? Though you can imagine Hanno has spent many a night by the campfire regaling him with stories of how the Jafar killed his dad, so. Um, seems like he's obviously that's not something someone gets over uh, very quickly at all, but but yeah, I mean the kid the kid hears the kid listens and the kid makes the right choice. Yeah, and the fact that Hanno doesn't know, I, I just makes it even greater. And, and then at the end, there Hanno says, "I was mistaken. You're not the Jaffa who killed my father. No, no, I am. 
<laughs> it's like teal okay we get it you want to be punished yeah. leave it alone bro right but then as he says that man is dead you killed him and and i just thought that was a beautiful line because it, yeah. it just is so true that that this teal did kill the old teal and and while yeah, he didn't he, he do stole it, it from ben kenobi but still is a good line did he okay yeah all right, um, you and saw then, you, know, you saw New Hope. You saw the first. Yeah, one, right? but that's, I don't know. I don't. Talks I don't about know. how your father was betrayed and killed by Darth Vader, and you're like, oh man, wait till I find who that Darth Vader guy is. You know, like, but uh, you know, and then Jack telling Hanno, you know, we can help you defend them yourselves, and 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 I guess I was ready for him to say, yeah, that's okay, we're fine. And he says, yeah, we'd appreciate that. So. Uh, you know whether we ever find ourselves back on this planet again or not it it, it doesn't matter I, I just think this was uh such a good episode and uh you know any anything else you want to bring up that we didn't talk about no I, you know I, yeah i just i i, I loved I, I i guess i just love you know moral quandaries and and this was great this raised a lot of very deep questions about you know responsibility guilt and justice right because you know i mean that's actually one thing i did want to say before but i forgot you know we used to do uh, you probably remember the the revenge versus justice uh assignment we we used to do with the ninth graders oh yeah sure if you remember that yeah so and that was like the the essential question we would give these kids is is revenge justice you know and that's that's not you know there there's there's really no answer to that that question right but there's you know like batman and and spider-man all kinds of superheroes have had to to deal with that <clears throat> that that dilemma right uh for hondo right he believes that yes vengeance and justice are, are one and the same but of course there's there's shades of gray there and uh, you know that's what his son is able to see so uh I, you know I, I i didn't really even struggle with it I, i'm gonna give this one an a i gave it an a Okay, good. I mean, it, it's I gave it maybe a. I, I I was leaving the possibility you could talk me out of it. I mean, it it certainly is. I don't want to say head and shoulders above the episodes that we gave a minuses to, but it was clearly better. And then I thought, well, we've still got a plus in right. Our quiver. I, still, I still got that in my back pocket, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, why don't we hear what Fred's got for us, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG-1, Season 1, Episode 15. Times are getting stranger and stranger. We have a curfew since yesterday from 9pm to 4.30am, and this is the very first time we have a curfew since the Second World War, where it was ordered by the German occupation. Although our numbers of infections are going down due to our lockdown, we don't see that yet in the hospitals or on the intensive care wards. It's a fortunate situation actually that we are in the lockdown because we now get the British variant which is much more infectious than the normal COVID-19. So this is a way that the government tries to keep it down. And the government will increase their support to companies, restaurants, bars, etc. for wages and the normal costs as rent and electricity, etc. They really spend a lot of money on that to keep companies survive this crisis. And they can afford this because our national deficit is very low or even not existing because of the good policy of the last few years. And we will have this curfew up to the 9th of February. And of course we don't know if it will be extended afterwards. And we don't know either whether it will have good effects. Actually it was quite difficult to get it through Parliament. Not all parties are convinced it will help. Because all restaurants and bars etc are closed anyhow. And... Some parties are against it because of limitations of personal liberty. Normally a government can take these decisions on their own, but because this was so a heavy measure, 
that they wanted to have the permission of the parliament. The amount of visitors per day at your home is also down to one instead of two. Okay, that was all about COVID and of course this all keeps us busy. Let's talk about some distraction. Let's talk about Stargate SG-1. Well, distraction, I didn't like this episode that much. The whole setting of the trial reminded me a little bit of Star Trek VI, so the original series, the undiscovered country, with the trial of the Klingons against Kirk and McCoy, and they land up at the penal colony at the ice planet of Rurapente. Few nitpicks to start with, I found it very strange that these inhabitants of this planet have their, let's say, daytime activities just around the Stargate, where any moment the Ga'uld can get through. Okay, in the evening they live somewhere else, hidden. Sounds a bit like a Corfu, by the way. Um, but why having your daytime activities just around the Stargate, where there can pop up any Ga'uld and any time? Second nitpick is that when General Hammond does not order a rescue party that he does allow Jack O'Neill and Sam Carter to go back to the planet. I understand they want to let somebody go back to get Daniel and perhaps even Tialk, but not by the stubborn Jack O'Neill, where General Hammond can expect he won't follow orders. But of course, that's not good for the story. Furthermore, the whole discussions between mainly Jack and Tialk, uh, he giving him an order to come with them back to Earth, and Tialk saying that he wants to get his punishment for everything he did, and he did he doesn't want to leave. This discussion went circle-wise several times, so that's why I find it actually quite slow-paced. Not in the sense of being real slow-paced, but in the sense of getting repetitions of discussions. And that's why I will give this episode a B- or even a C. And I will stop my rant here. And see you next time. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Well, obviously, as we said at the uh, outset of the podcast, we're, we were a little bit surprised that Fred didn't like this one as much as as we did but uh wow b minus or a c fred yeah that was harsh man i'm glad you're not you're never my teacher man yeah (laughs) um now he mentions about this being reminiscent of the trial in i forget which star trek movie he mentioned number six okay is that something you would agree with because that's again one of the that's a movie that i saw it but i don't remember to be honest yeah i don't i don't it's been so long and actually i'm tell you this I, I got the all the star trek movies for christmas yeah you did say that yeah yeah so um i, I haven't started in on them yet so give me a, a couple weeks and i'll tell you now he mentions about the curfew going on in yeah. the netherlands wow uh, that's crazy yeah, I mean, here in the U.S., at least we now have an administration run by adults and scientists. So hopefully we're going to get back on the uh, the right but track. I, but. Just, I, I feel like I just got to say this is watching the news. It's just not quite as interesting as it used to be, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I, I couldn't help but wonder that were our former president, may we never say his name again, were he still in office, which that guy's not. Would he call this the England virus or the British virus? I don't know. Yeah. No, I think you do know. You <laughs> just don't want, you just don't prob- want to say it. Probably not because they're white. I, so he's not going to say But even on – did you even did you hear like his – for some reason my wife was watching him leave and his little last speech and he's still – in that speech he still called it the China virus. God bless you, Don. You just you just can't let it go, man. You just can't stop, can you? Well, so. you know, it's funny how many people don't consider the concept of the primary source. And as English teachers, it's it's part and parcel to everything we do in, in research projects, as you know, of course it should be. And whether it's studying original historical documents the way we do in the 11th grade or whatever. But 
just so many people, again, that the, they get their information secondhand, yeah. as it were. Yeah. And uh, anyway, that's yeah. kind of scary. Yeah. But uh, let's SMH, right? Yes, yes. Let's not go down that uh, yeah. rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> all right. Anything else about but Fred's yeah. feedback? Yeah, yeah, he said penal. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice for, for Fred. Nice that you pointed that out. Yeah, yeah. So. That my 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 twelve year old inner child will will never leave, no matter how old I get. All right, all right. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there, if that's okay with you. That, I'm fine with that. All right, cool. All right, well, that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thanks for joining us. Love to hear what you think about SG One. Uh, what do you think about uh, Sanctuary now that it's been thrown out there on the Facebook group? You know, uh, Put your opinion in that thread that's going on. Um, if you want to send us an email, it's sci-fi-tv-rewatch at gmail.com. Now, the website is sci-fi-tv-rewatch.podbean.com. So if you ever want to go there and check out um, episode by episode, that is available to you. We'll be back next week to discuss episode 16 of Stargate SG-1 titled Enigma. But until then... You know, I know like people probably don't really care about the inner workings of the production of this podcast and everything. But this is actually the second time we record tonight. Because the first time we start, Dave, every time we start talking about SG Stargate, SG-1, Dave's like, oh, I wanna, let's talk about Brussels sprouts. I'm like, no, Dave, come on. We got to talk about this, this scientific... The sci-fi show, man. He's like, nah, let's let's talk about Brussels sprouts and just Brussels sprouts. I'm like, Dave, we're talking about human beings, not Brussels sprouts.